right, welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we have with us the president of Capital and Risk Mitigation at Scottsdale Real Estate Investments, Jay Tenenbaum. Jay, how you doing? Terrific, Dan. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I had a lot of fun on your show, and I'm sure we'll do the same thing here. So, listen, we've got about 18 minutes. We like to jam-pack the value into these episodes. So let's jump right into it. Tell us about Jay Tenenbaum, Scottsdale Real Estate Investments, and your experience in real estate in general. Okay, so my background, I was a debt collection attorney for 20 years, had no real estate experience at all other than living and owning my own home, uh, and got the opportunity to buy distressed mortgage notes in 2013, and 450 transactions later, here we are. I like to say, you know, I've been in debt all my life, just not personally. <laughs> Love it. That's the best way to be in debt, right? <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So, 450 transactions since 2013, and, and and you know, tell us a little bit. You're you're investing in notes, right? You're not investing in traditional real estate. Is that correct? I've done both through the course of my career. Started out buying notes 2013, around 17. Uh, pricing of notes got a little, little too high. Uh, the, you know, gurus were spinning out too many investors poorly trained, they were overpaying for stuff. We started buying property instead. And now we're back to buying notes and properties opportunistically where we can. And with Scottsdale REI, you know, we work with investors to, you know, we're buying the assets, we're doing all the heavy lifting and there's making, you know, attractive returns. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about the differences between note investing and traditional real estate investing. With note investing, you are JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, you are the bank. And it's good to be the bank uh, and buying traditional real estate is just like buying traditional real estate. Um, with the bank, you may never own the property. You're buying the paper. Sure. Okay. And, and tell us about the different types of notes that an investor can buy. Sure. So you've got your non-performing loans, but basically the borrower hasn't paid. Um, I, with my loss mitigation debt collection experience, um, I do a real good job of getting borrowers to pay. Um, I have a unique approach to doing that. So I've generated a lot of cash flow, a lot of value add by taking non-performing notes, getting the borrowers that are still in their properties and getting them to, to loan mod and getting paid. Um, you also have performing notes. Some investors like to buy loans that are already paying, so they're getting an immediate cash return. Problem is you're paying a little more premium sure. than you are paying for the discounted non-performing loan. Um, I also buy a lot of uh, what we call contract for deeds. They're seller finance notes, basically almost analogous to a car loan. I keep title. You get possession, you get title when you pay me off. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so tell me, on a performing note, I understand a non-performing note. The lender would want to get that off their books. It's not working out for them. On a performing note, why would a lender want to sell that? Well, okay, so we do more the majority of our business with hedge funds. So basically the evolution is bank loans are originated. They're sold off on Wall Street five minutes later, right? And then they're sold off to another hedge fund who writes an eight-figure check and then to another hedge fund who writes a seven-figure check and yada, 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 right? They come down to us and the hedge fund, you know, has been, made their money um, and the value add, maybe they took it as non-performing, maybe they got it to perform, right? Mm. So the value add is the performance of the loan. Um, you really don't get, in my, in my arena, you really don't see stuff that is, um, uh, you know, performing from the, from the origination and then sold off. Those are those are trading at par or, or above all the time. That's not what you what we're buying. I see. Okay. And regarding those non-performing notes, you mentioned that you know you've got obviously that uh, 
background in, 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 in you know, collections from the legal perspective. You mentioned that you have a unique methodology to help take those non-performing notes and, and make them performing. Can you share any of that with us? Of course. So let's role play for a minute if I've got your permission. You got it. Okay. So, Dan, my name is Jay Tenenbaum. I'm your lender. How can I help you? Well, I've exactly, got this- exactly. There's five, there's 30 seconds of silence. They've never been asked that before, right? And then when they get their confidence under them, they vomit their country western song on me. And they, in that conversation, it's, hey, I could promise to pay X. And the difference is, I'm not making demands. They're making commitment. They're making promises. My default rate is less than 10. percent Wow. So you're basically coming in there and seeing what they can do, and then meeting them at that that level, as opposed to coming in and saying, this is what I need from you. Yes, because I've done very well on loans that the, my predecessor came in saying, this is what you need to do, right? And I, you know, I got, for example, I've got one, one seller that uh, guy was like going to pay four, $4,000 in arrearages to pay off, the, to, to get the loan current. Mm-hmm. The servicer said, no, no, I need 4400 Well, I have four grand. So what? I need 4400 I picked up a loan and got his four grand. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. You know, it's so interesting because just two episodes ago, I was speaking with someone who's raised hundreds of millions of dollars of, of, of equity, and he was talking about how a lot of people approach the raising of capital with a perspective of, hey, this is who I am. Hey, this is what I do. Hey, this is what I need. And and he does things a little bit differently. He says, hey, who are you? Hey, what do you need? Hey, what are your pain points? Hey, how can I help? And even though you guys are in such a different industry, so to speak, you, you kind of have a very similar perspective, right? You're coming to this borrower not from a perspective of, hey, this is what I need. Hey, this is what you need to do. It's, hey, what's your situation? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what can you do? Hey, how can I solve your problem? So it's really nice to see that that same philosophy carries over into your line of work as well. Exactly. I mean, you treat a borrower with dignity and respect and you get what you need. Now, I raise a lot of capital because when you're buying notes, there's no bank to go to, right? And so I take the same approach as your guy with regard to raising capital. It's, hey, I want to know who my investor is, what their goals and objectives are. If I can meet or exceed that, it's a fit. If I can't, we're just not a good fit and move on. Exactly. Exactly. So, look, you've been doing this for seven, eight years now, 450 transactions. What are the top three things that you would say a new note investor needs to know? Uh, number one, be ready, be shoot ready aim. And then that kind of, that's, <laughs> up, that's probably number three, you know, just don't be afraid to, you know, to plan, to plan, to plan, shoot ready aim, but it would also be, you know, sufficiently educated. So you know what you're doing. And the third thing, sort of one, a one B would be, you know, in your first few deals, partner up with someone else who knows what they're doing. I, that's how I got started. That's exact as you could do it as Lone Ranger. You're going to stub your toe. I've stubbed my toe many times. The band has been ripped off. And I can impart that knowledge, experience, and training onto my investor clients. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I tell people that all the time when people ask for advice in terms of getting into real estate investment. I tell them that you know, finding a mentor, finding somebody who's already stubbed their toes, as you've said it, is so valuable. Because you can go out there and make those mistakes yourself, and you may never recover from them. Or you can leverage the experience and the wisdom and the knowledge of somebody who's already made those mistakes. And, you know, on that note, I mean, you know, myself and my partner, Zach Racinger, we've created a course 
that trains people about commercial real estate and and how to become a top commercial real estate broker called the CRE Pro course. And it's designed specifically to leverage what you just mentioned, taking experts who have already made those mistakes and utilizing the systems and the approaches that work for them and cutting out the things that, that are known to not work. And the only way you can do that is either making those mistakes yourself or leveraging the experience of someone who's already been there. So I, I love it. I, I definitely think that that's, that's a very valuable piece of advice there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to us about some of the risks in note investing. Sure. So, okay, the risks are you, you, you look at risk as to how you can minimize them or diversify them or both. And what I mean by that is when I started out, I was buying low value assets. It's almost like the analogy when you're buying low value property, right? You may get, you know, maybe I'd be able to pick up a house for 10 grand and the rents for two grand for, you know, $15,000 a month. And you're like, wait, that's fantastic return. But this is a D neighborhood. You're going to get vacancy all the time. Yeah. With our stuff, we're buying, you know, I was buying loans, you know, houses were $30,000, $50,000 in the Midwest, the South. And maybe I'm buying a loan for 10 grand and getting $300 a month uh, loan bond payment, right? Great return, right? But I was successful with that because I was buying multiple loans of that size and that value at a time. I'm spending sure. 50 grand getting five, six notes. I mean, if I don't have to ride and die on one note that, that may, that may you know, not work out, right? So, so that's diversification. Um, you minimize your risk when you're buying the higher value assets, right? 100,000, $100, dollars to $150,000 loans because you know, you've got more margin of error. Because your servicing and your foreclosure costs, if you have to go down that road, are the same yeah. dollar amount on a $30,000 loan and a $150,000 loan. Sure. So you're minimizing your risk. What, what, approximately what are those costs? Um, average, you're looking at without rehab or property taxes involved, to take a loan from start to finish, if you have to foreclose, you're spending roughly on average around five grand, give or take. Okay. Servicing, insurance, um, foreclosure costs with the attorneys, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And, and what percentage of the time did you say that you actually take the property back and foreclose? Good, good, good question. So the industry average is you're going to take any size portfolio. You're going to do loan mods on a third. You're going to get a deed in loop, you know, get the borrower to give you back the house without having to foreclose on about a third. And you have and you will end up foreclosing on a third. Now, with my experience and my success, I was probably doing loan mods or deed and lose probably almost 50 percent. So really, by foreclosure, uh, ratio was less than 30 way less than the industry average and really those properties i foreclosed on um were really with borrowers that just couldn't get out of their own way mm. what do you mean by that means i treated with dignity and respect had the conversation how can i help you you know made every way possible to just you know work something out here and they just couldn't get out of their own way mm -hmm. i see you know I gladly see. pay you tuesday for for pay payment today that never came yeah so look, I've I've been to my fair share of of sheriff sales, you know, at mortgage foreclosure auctions. Uh, so I obviously know what my experience has been like. But but talk to us about the process for you. Once you do take that property back, what what happens next? Um, we've evolved as a company. I mean, what happens next is you now you've got a, a you know a, a mortgage. Now you got a property instead of a REO. You got a table an REO instead of a property. In the old days. We probably, depending on the area, we probably wholesaled more than we fixed and flipped or rented because, you know, it was just the areas we were in. Um, now we're buying more higher value property. Um, we also have a $2 billion uh, credit facility to where basically what we've done, we've changed our model. We basically, you're raising private capital to buy notes because there's no institution available. 
But once you take it back and it's now a property, right? We go to our credit facility, they will do what's called a delayed purchase. And basically we're buying the property as we're buying it, you know, as you would buy the property from us tomorrow. And we're placing the majority of our, our investors' capital back. And we're also getting, as a, as a bridge loan product, getting a rehab money if we choose to rehab it. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So uh, typically across a portfolio, what would you say is your average loan to value? Uh, we are, my, in, my, in my career, we've picked up assets at probably around less than 50%, around, probably on average around 40 cents, 40 to 40 cents of the dollar. Wow. So, you know, best case scenario, maybe a best case scenario, but you're continuing to collect your, your payments, your mortgage payments. Worst case scenario, you have, you know, approximately $5,000 in foreclosure expenses. And now you've got a property that, uh, you know, you, you basically spent 50 cents on the dollar. So it's worth, it's essentially worth twice, you know, what you're into it. Right. For example, you know, as we're getting into some higher value stuff and starting to syndicate that, we picked up a, a note in, uh, in, a, in an area outside of Boston, right? And we bought it for $350,000. Um, the balance that's owed is $700,000. So we can either let it go at the sale for like four fifty, make hundred grand, and walk away, or we take it or we control the auction and say, you know what, we want $700,000, which nobody's going to pay for. It. The house mm-hmm. is worth about six six fifty dollars fixed up, only take us about hundred grand in rehab. Wow, sounds like so those are kind of numbers we're playing with. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Well, before you mentioned about some ebbs and flows in the market, you know, you mentioned that you got in, you know, about seven, eight years ago, and it was a great game. And then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of newbies came out, didn't necessarily know what they're doing. They were over overpaying around 2017. The prices went went up. It wasn't really the best time to be in the in the note game. What about now? Is this a good time to invest in mortgage notes in this current economy? It's an excellent time, but the primary reason why is because um, you've got um, uh, the, you know, with the real estate market, the property market being so hot, people are not finding good deals. We're finding opportunity through buying mortgage notes. Granted, it's taken us a little longer. A lot, and, and really what we've actually kind of fallen into is a niche where we are buying reverse mortgages hmm. and we're buying them from, from hedge funds where they're already almost finished with foreclosure. We just picked up a, a loan a couple weeks ago in Baltimore, right? Um, and the, our foreclosure sale is already fit April 22nd. Oh, wow. Wow. And now can anybody get into this industry? Can anybody buy a mortgage note? Um, yes, but you're not going to call Wells Fargo to, to call them up and say, what do you have available? It's, you know, I, am fortunate through seven, eight years of doing this to have relationships with particular banks and hedge funds, um, to where. I can bring. I, I've got the access to the stuff. I'm not out there hunting. I'm lazy that way. I'm getting you know assets sent to me on spreadsheets and ones, twos, forties, fifties, hundreds all the time, right? For relationships. Now I've also say that while I've also been fortunate that the relationships that I've generated are hedge funds that are you know been able to provide us with assets on what I call a forward flow, meaning. I'm like going to them monthly. Hey, what else do you have next? Send us some more stuff, right? Instead of the one asset manager who's got one thing, one portfolio to sell that one year, he's not selling something to the next year. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, so in all the deals I've done, I probably only work with maybe half a dozen sellers, right? Oh, wow. Um, the first seller I ever dealt with, I bought my first 65 assets from, not all at once, in about three or four trades, but the first 65 notes that I bought in my career was from the same seller. Wow. Now, do you ever break those portfolios up and, and wholesale any of them right away? Um, yes and no. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily call them wholesaling because for the most part I will own them first before I, before I, I sell them off. 
Um, and just because it's easier to do it that way, um, uh, the transferability of, of it, et cetera. Um, I'll also, yes, I, in the early on in my career, because of the diversification, um, I bought like 40 notes at one time and I created like six different uh, joint venture partnerships and, and wholesaled off like half, half a dozen of the other assets as well. Yes. Wow. Wow. It's a lot of flexibility in the industry. Sounds very interesting. Very interesting. So yeah. look, you've you've been in this space for seven, eight years, then you've got a whole you know number of decades on the legal side of debt collection. What advice do you have for you know people in general that are getting into the investing space? I know we talked about it previously about um, you know the things that an investor needs to know, but based on all of your experience, what, what general business advice do you have for people? Um, you know, it's basically the same same as, as what I said before. I mean, you you got you got to understand this is not uh, not a get rich quick scheme. Right or 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 things. Um, it takes a while to build this to build this up. Like anything else, it's a business. Sure. Um, it's not a job, but it's a business. It, you know, I guess it's all depends on your own investor ID. Some people just want to dabble, make it a hobby, own a couple notes here and there, be fine. We I started doing this as a career, as a business. So it is a business. Um, you know, and you just, just like anything else, um, you delegate responsibilities. I mean, a day in the life of me is pretty much a, air, a glorified air traffic controller. I'm managing my invest. I'm managing my vendors, my attorneys, my servicers, my insurance vendors, whatever I'm, I'm doing. So I'm not rolling it to learn this stuff. It's not about here, roll up my sleeves and here's a here's a task to go dig a ditch. Hell, I've been digging. I don't know how to dig a ditch, <laughs> but I don't want to dig a ditch. I know how I suppose. Um, so, you know, it, it's a it's a business to whatever, whatever level, whatever scale you want. The other thing is it's all about relationships, sure. relationships and developing the relationship of getting your 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 assets relationships developing your vendors you kiss a few frogs getting the right vendors the right realtors to work with the right you know property managers the right uh insurance adjusters you know whatever you know right attorneys i mean you kiss a few frogs getting there but it is relationships and just be very be very flexible and resourceful because as any business challenges occur and you learn where to pivot Brandon, we all look, pivot in a completely different concept with COVID, but even before COVID, we've pivoted in other areas. You know, our model right now, the syndications, the delayed purchases, et cetera, was something we've evolved to, right? So we've always, we were, it's always just one way, the highway. It's not that you'll fail. There you go. Well, you heard it. President of Capital and Risk Mitigation at Scottsdale REI, Jay Tenenbaum. Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Dan, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun, and thanks again for the opportunity. Absolutely. Hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz, your host of Dan on Top. I look forward to seeing you soon.